millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Be Careful Out There. I'm Chris. And I'm Kelsey. And today I have another Reddit story for you. So lately we've been doing a lot more of the research-based episodes, the true crime episodes, but this one I just have a spooky story for you. I'm glad it's spooky because we are in a dark room right now. Perfect setup. Yes, and it's nighttime. It's dark outside. Yeah, it's cold in here. You just had to turn the heater on. Thank you for doing that. I just realized that it is dark at 7 p.m. And just a month ago, it was still bright outside at like 9 p.m. Yeah. So big Love living up north in the summer. So I check our reviews every day on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And recently I logged on to Apple Podcasts and apparently there were like 10 written reviews that had been hidden from us that I couldn't see for some reason. So I got to read all of these very nice reviews from everybody. It was super amazing. Yes, some of them had thank a little. Yes, thank you so much, everyone <laughs> who left a review. Whether you decided to write something or not, we appreciate you taking the time to do that. But most of them had a lot of wonderful things. Some of them had a little bit of constructive criticism in a nice way. Like somebody telling me to say especially instead of especially. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to work on that, but no promises. <laughs> Love that. But it's really cool how we're starting to have a group of people that listen to us and they enjoy our stories and enjoy hearing us talk about things. And some of them said they like hearing little snippets from our lives. And it's so cool. It's I really so enjoy crazy it. to think about. But it's so encouraging. It just makes us want to keep doing this. Exactly. It feels like we're finding this little community that we kind of like fit in with. And I was thinking the other day about when I was in college. Okay. And so I ran cross country and track. And I just did not fit in well with like the track and cross country team in college. All my high school teams fit in with them perfectly fine. You know this from experience. One thing I love to do is take a word and say it completely incorrectly or just swap it out for another word just completely random to where it doesn't make sense at all (laughs) and i i just like to do random things like that say something that doesn't make any sense just to kind of get a laugh and i remember one time we were at a track meet and we had all just left the hotel we were going to dinner and it was funny because all the guys were like making some sort of gunshot noise type thing. 
I don't even remember why exactly they were doing it. But me being Just me. being boys, I guess. Yeah. So me being me, I intentionally did like the worst like gunshot <laughs> sound ever. Like so, so bad. And honestly, I'm realizing I'm saying like like a thousand times. I need to stop that. Another anyway. thing we're both working on. Yes, we are both working on that because I know people find it annoying. Honestly, I find it annoying. <laughs> But anyway, I made like the worst noise possible, like comedically, you know? Yeah. And nobody, nobody got it. They didn't get it. Nobody understood. They didn't understand me. They weren't like my type of people. They did not get you. No, they were, they were honestly so mean. They were like, never do that again, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, bro, I was just trying to have fun. Like I was just joking around. And I just realized that was one of the points where it hit me and I was, I just felt like this team isn't the right place for me. These guys don't get it. But here on the podcast, we're starting to build an actual community and it's really cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Like, that's such a good story. Yeah. I remember like going to parties and stuff back in college, like with your teammates and neither of us really vibed super well with any of them. No, no, not at all. Which was upsetting to me because I was in multiple bands. I was in the marching band, um, symphonic winds, uh, wind ensemble at one point, And I had a lot of really good friends there. And I wanted the same for you on the team. But yeah, I just didn't have it. They just weren't people that yeah. I clicked with. And sometimes that's the case. You just don't click with everyone. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's your coworkers. Sometimes it's your family. <laughs> Yeah, and part of why I wanted to bring this up is because we did come from a pretty small community in Arkansas, and especially if you're from a, especially, I I just did it, especially, (laughs) especially if you're from a small community, if you don't vibe with most of the people there, you might just feel like you're a weird person or whatever, but I think there's more people out there like you than you really think about just spread out all over the world. I agree. And so that's one of the things that's interesting when someone starts to gain an audience when they're doing something creative, whether it be making YouTube videos or podcasts or music or whatever. Just as your name gets more and more out there, you just find more and more people like yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you are someone who does feel like you're an awkward person. Nobody likes you. I guarantee you there are people out there that will like you as long as you just be yourself 100%. because there's more people out there like you than you think. Exactly. And sometimes when you get boxed in to kind of a smaller environment, like you were saying, it's really easy to lose sight of that and just assume that there's something wrong with you. I think that's exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just saying the exact same thing, but I- I'm telling you, I feel you. Yeah, I think you may have said it a little bit better. But yeah, if your whole world, if it feels like your whole world is rejecting you because you are in a small community, then it does make you feel like the problem's you. And really, you probably just need to zoom out a bit. Maybe that community isn't the right place for you. Maybe that friend group, that job, that town, that city, whatever. Uh Maybe you need to zoom out and you know, find your people, which can be hard. When I I think about the environments that I've thrived in and environments where I haven't thrived, the only difference has really been the people surrounding me and 
how I felt supported. Well, that was quite a bit of a tangent, but we just wanted to say thank you for all the wonderful support we've been getting. And that getting. was such a good heart to heart that we just had. Yes. All of us. Well, I told you that I had actually thought about this the other day. I told you there was something I thought about that I wanted us to talk about, and that was specifically the cross-country thing, how weird it was that I just did a normal thing that I always do to be funny, but with that group of people, it did not work whatsoever, and I was just kind of shut down, and that's yeah. that's honestly when I realized, like, these are not my people. Right, if know? they're suppressing your personality then they're not your people. Exactly. And that's not your place. Exactly. And so, yeah, I had thought about that on my own. And I definitely wanted to talk to you about it because it was just a light bulb moment. I just remembered that moment. And it was just kind of enlightening just kind of thinking about it. I specifically wanted to have that conversation on the podcast to give people a glimpse into our lives because I feel like that's something that happens pretty regular to me or regularly, regularly. to me <laughs> is... I'll just randomly think about something from a long time ago that I haven't thought about in forever. And then I'll just have some sort of takeaway from it. And it's like, wow, that thought just popped into my head right now. And I noticed something about it that I didn't notice back then. Yeah, because you're a different person now. Uh -huh. You've had a lot of years to grow and evolve and you have new perspective. Well, I wouldn't say a lot of years. I'm only 25, okay? Okay, well, it's been a few years. Hey, I'm 26, okay? Yeah, you're old. <laughs> I'm nice and young at 25, and you're old, old and 26. I hope nobody just, like, cuts that clip and, like, takes it out of context. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, are you ready to actually get into the story for today since we're 10 minutes into the podcast and we haven't even got to our story yet? I am ready to see if you can spook me. Okay, so this story was posted on the No Sleep subreddit by Christopher Maxim, and there will be a link in the description to his Reddit and all of his stories that he's written if you're interested in checking that out. And he also has a link where you can give a donation to him if you would like to. So we'll put that in the description of this episode as well. So if you enjoy the story and you want to support the author, be sure to check out those links down below. Uh, the title on this one is a little long and kind of gives away some of the story. Okay. So I'm just going to tweak the title here and I'm just going to call it Strange Medical Study. I am already intrigued. All right, Jack. Are you ready? After being strapped down by the orderlies, 
an older gentleman in a white coat stepped over and looked down at me as my back caressed the cold metal slab I was fastened to. I presumed this was Dr. Covenwood, the lab's head of operations. Um, I guess so. This was risky business. I would be humanely injected and gassed with various chemicals to render me medically dead. Then I would be revived to report my findings as part of a study on near-death experiences and the afterlife. If I survived, $5,000 would be deposited into my bank account as payment. Don't worry, Jack. We've done this dozens of times so far and have yet to lose a single soul. You'll be fine. I know what you're thinking, and you're right. This is not legal by any stretch of the imagination. No one in their right mind would even agree to participate in such a study. But I was truly desperate. The pandemic left me jobless, and the bills were piling up. An old college buddy who works for the lab knew about my situation and reached out to recruit me for the project. Alright Jack, I'll be in the next room behind the one-way glass. You'll be able to hear me over the intercom. Once we start, there's no going back. This is your last chance. Are you absolutely sure you want to go through with this? I mulled it over for a moment, but the choice was clear. There were certainly other options at my disposal for recouping my financial losses, but that wasn't the only reason I agreed to take part in the study. The real reason I was risking my life ran much deeper than that. Let's do it, doctor. A smile spread across his face. That's the spirit. Dr. Covenwood scurried out to the control room and fired up the intercom as quickly as he could, probably to get the ball rolling before I changed my mind. Remember, Jack, you'll only be gone for 30 seconds, then we'll bring you back. Still, it may seem a lot longer to you once you're, well, wherever you're going. Time dances to the beat of its own drum in some places. Retain what information you can upon waking and tell us what you've seen. I nodded at the camera hanging above me from the ceiling. Alright Jack, this is it. See you on the other side. I remember bracing myself for death, but it's all fuzzy after that. Bits and pieces of memory floating in a vast ocean of consciousness. I can only recall the sensation of falling and the occasional voice whispering in my ear, though I could not for the life of me make out what it was saying. When I finally came to, the scene in front of me took form and revealed my surroundings. However inexplicable it may seem, I was in what appeared to be the lobby of a large building. There were hardwood floors, lavish staircases, and gorgeous rays of light flooding the room from tall, stained glass windows on every side of me. Directly in my line of sight was a desk and what appeared to be a receptionist. He looked up and smiled. You must be Jack. Please, come with me. In an instant, without even getting up from his seat, the man was in front of me. Before I could react, he took me by the arm and we appeared somewhere upstairs by the balcony in front of a door. Here you are, room 371. The overseer will see you now. And just like that, he vanished again. Thanks, I guess. Overwhelmed by everything, I didn't enter the room right away, and instead leaned over the railing and surveyed the area. That's when I noticed a plethora of shelves lining the walls, each with their own collection of jars. 
a soft light emanating from within. I wanted to study them further, but was cut off by a booming voice that echoed through the hall. Come in, Jack. I haven't got all day. It was coming from room 371. Not wishing to further test the patience of whatever being was summoning me, I opened the door and walked in. Please, Jack, have a seat. Sitting at a desk in the room was a clean-cut man in turn-of-the-century attire gesturing at a chair in front of me. I sat and the man stared me down. If he was trying to intimidate me, it was working. All right, on with it. I know you must have questions. Fire away. He was right. I did. Where are we? He chuckled. You humans are so predictable. Well, for lack of a self-descriptor, this is what you would refer to as the hereafter, a place where all souls go upon expiration. So, heaven is a cathedral? He chuckled again. Who said anything about heaven? There is no good or bad place, just this. And no, it's not a cathedral. It appears different to every departed soul. You may see it as a cathedral, another may see it as a monastery, or even a small cottage tucked away in the hills. Whatever peaceful scenery makes the transition easier. He adjusted himself in his chair, raised his hand, and lifted a single finger. One more question, Jack, then we move on to more pressing matters. This was my chance, the reason I was there in the first place. Can I see my wife and daughter? He didn't expect that, turning his chair to face me. Ah, I see. Now I understand. Is that why you joined Dr. Covenwood's little study group? That I wouldn't have predicted. He saw the surprise in my expression. Oh yes, Jack, I know all about the good doctor and his trials. He works for us. My surprise turned to confusion. Works for you? What do you mean? The overseer raised his hand again and snapped his fingers. All at once, we were transported to another space. It was small and white. Too white. And the lighting was strange. Brighter than your average room, but still dimmer than a hospital. It was off-putting. To make matters worse, I was strapped to another table, completely immobile, in the center of the room. The overseer stood by and picked up tools from a rolling cart. Needles, blades, among other sharp utensils. I can't believe a human would risk his own life on the off chance that he might be reunited with loved ones. It's admirable, I suppose. But no, Jack, you will not see Charlotte and Leslie. We have far more important business to attend to. My heart was pounding. I had no idea what he was up to, but I knew it couldn't be anything good. What's going on? What are you doing? He cracked a smile. Well, Jack, what the doctor failed to let you in on was that our agreement involves him sending us wayward souls. In exchange, we offer him information about our world. He walked around to the opposite side of me, with the cart, and pushed it against the table. I winced and let out a small scream. He laughed. You see, Jack, human souls are a delicacy here. The taste is so intoxicating. He closed his eyes and trembled. We were never meant to devour souls. 
But we've been here for so long. Billions of years. Maybe more. We, like all things, need stimulation. To that end, we face but one obstacle. The pesky laws of this realm dictate that we can neither lie nor take what isn't ours. It's a failsafe of the creator's design put in place to keep us from harming you, making it physically impossible to extract your soul without consent. You must give it to us willingly. Though frightened, I mustered up enough courage to respond. Why would I do something like that? He replied with a horrible grin. That's the beauty of our arrangement. When a normal soul dies, we give them the option. They let us cut you open and take your soul, or live in a jar for all eternity. There's almost no incentive to hand it over, so almost everyone chooses the latter option. In your case, your time isn't up. The doctor is waiting on the other side to revive you. But I won't let him unless you give me what I want. Time will remain still until your soul is mine. Your 30 seconds will never end. He licked his lips in anticipation. If you want to go back, just say the word. Otherwise, get comfortable. It was a lot to process. Still, none of it mattered. Seeing my wife and daughter again was the only thing keeping me going. Knowing that I couldn't be with them eliminated any incentive I would have had to continue living. No, you can't have it. I'll stay. His smile vanished as he threw the cart and grabbed me by the shoulders, placing his face directly over mine. His eyes were now red and his mouth full of dagger-like teeth that overlapped one another in a grotesque pattern. You will give me your soul, and I will rip away every last fiber of your flesh to get to it. He dug a silver blade into my chest and drooled over the wound. It was like battery acid, worse than any pain I had ever felt before. I screamed in agony. He backed away, wiped his chin, and his face returned to normal. Sorry about that. I got a little carried away. Still... You will agree to my terms, or suffer further torment. The pain was immense, but I would not bow to him. No, I refuse. His grin returned. You misunderstand, Jack. The torture you will experience is not of a physical nature. He snapped his fingers, and we were transported again somewhere else entirely. I was alone in a familiar forest. One just outside of town, where we like to camp from time to time. The sun was setting as the evening drew near. The air was still, and the wildlife was quiet. This is the night they died. What do you think, Jack? I'd say it looks almost identical. The overseer appeared before me. What the hell is this? His lips stretched wide across his cheeks. Just a recreation of events that led up to your family's death. I looked at him in disbelief. You remember, don't you? You were out here getting firewood while they played by the lake. A tear rolled down my cheek. Stop it. He continued. When Leslie fell, bumped her head on the dock, and then sank deep beneath the water, Charlotte called out to you, but you were nowhere to be found. It happened as he spoke of it. 
Jack, she fell in. Jack, help. Oh my God, she's unconscious, Jack. Just as I did that night, I dropped the branches in my hand and ran as fast as I could towards the lake. Recreation or not, I couldn't ignore my family. Your wife jumped in to save her, but her legs were far too weak to swim. The overseer appeared at every tree I passed, his voice staying with me every step of the way. The physical therapy worked wonders, but she had only been out of the wheelchair for a month. He was right. On her way to work, Charlotte was struck by a drunk driver. She survived, but her spine suffered a lot of damage. The doctors weren't sure she would walk again. This camping trip was supposed to be a celebration. It was the first thing Charlotte wanted to do when she got upright again. Stop it, you bastard. Charlotte continued to call out for me. Jack! Jack! Her voice was muffled by the water she was treading. There was a sickening gurgle in between her outbursts. A gut-wrenching sound that haunted my every nightmare for months to come and rang in my ears even after waking. You arrived at the lake, but it was too late. I ran over, tears wetting my face, and pulled Charlotte and Leslie from the water. The overseer stayed close and observed. I tried my best to administer chest compressions and CPR, but it was no use. My girls were dead, and I could do nothing but sob over their corpses. All right, Jack, time for round two. The overseer snapped his fingers, and we were back in the forest. Soon enough, I heard Charlotte's voice once again crying out for help. To my dismay, the sequence of events had begun again. I turned to the overseer, standing by my side, and took a swing, but there was no connection. My fist stopped inches from his smug face, halted by an unseen force. He cackled in response. Why are you doing this? You know why, Jack. Give me your soul or submit to this existence. You will be stuck here forever, left to relive the worst night of your life again and again. I ran to the lake, faster this time. Still, when I arrived, they were gone. That's right, Jack. No matter what happens, it will be this conclusion. You will never make it to them in time. Never. We appeared back in the forest. What will it be, Jack? I ran again. The overseer followed. No, I won't do it. I can save them this time. I know I can. The overseer's eyes became red as he moved from tree to tree. Then suffer. Charlotte continued to call out for me. I continued to run. After it was done, it started again. And again. And again. All the while, the overseer stayed and watched and laughed. Eventually, I cried myself dry. I pressed on anyway, determined to save them. Even if it was all part of an elaborate illusion, I needed this. More than the overseer knew. Eventually, he interrupted. Stop, Jack. I ignored him at first. Jack, stop. I ran as fast as I could, Charlotte's voice as my beacon. Well on my way to another lakeside funeral. Stop. Now. The overseer stepped in front of me. The scene around us vanished. We were now surrounded by darkness. A mysterious place devoid of any and all light. If you truly insist on continuing this run down memory lane, then I think it's time we change some things. Have fun, Jack. This will be your life now. He snapped his fingers and I was back in the woods. 
This time I was completely alone, and a dark fog hung above the forest canopy, cloudy and still. Focused, I ran past the trees, but Charlotte's voice never met my ear. Something was amiss. I arrived at the lake moments later and was greeted with the usual horrific sight. Charlotte and Leslie face down on the surface of the water. I pulled them out as I had so many times before, but something changed when their bodies touched the shore. They stood up. Charlotte and Leslie's lifeless bodies now stood upright before me, eyes darker than the deep abyss they were pulled from. Water spilled from their mouths as they walked towards me. Charlotte then spoke. You killed us, Jack. You killed us. I backed away in terror, sobbing the whole way. Charlotte, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Leslie stepped ahead. Why didn't you save me, Daddy? I fell to my knees as they approached. I love you both so much and miss you terribly. Please forgive me. I never meant for this to happen. Charlotte leaned over and put a cold hand on my head. You lived. You don't deserve forgiveness on top of that. She pressed her lips to mine, and the taste of death coated my tongue. I tried to disconnect, but she forced me against her with brute strength. Her arms wrapped tightly around my head. Then she began sucking the air from my lungs. Leslie chimed in. This is how we felt, Daddy. We couldn't breathe. Now you can be like us. I struggled and struggled, but couldn't break free. Just before losing the last drop of air in my lungs, something happened. It was faint at first, but then it grew to an audible whisper. I recognized it as it crept into my ear. It was the same disembodied voice that followed me to the afterlife. I could now tell that it was that of Charlotte. The real Charlotte. Save us, Jack. I didn't know what she meant. Please, Jack, you have to make a deal with the overseer. Make a deal. Okay, I could do that. By some miracle, I was able to rip myself away and inhale as much oxygen as I could in one breath. Then, before the corpses could attack again, I called out to the overseer. Okay, I'm ready to bargain. The dead versions of Charlotte and Leslie vanished. The sky opened up, revealing a full moon. Its dim light soaked small ripples in the lake as the overseer walked up from behind. Had a change of heart, have we? I took another deep breath. Charlotte's whisper was still with me, guiding me the rest of the way. He can't lie. Ask him some questions. Okay, I'll give you my soul, but first I have some questions. He rolled his eyes. Fine, on with it then. Ask him about the jarred souls, what he does with them. What do you do with the souls once they're jarred? He squinted at me suspiciously. Where is this coming from, Jack? I was firm in my reply. Just answer me. He clenched his teeth. Fine. For the most part, they stay untouched in their jars, on the shelves. But sometimes we take them out and ask again for consent. Ask how. How do you do that? Torture? His eyes widened at the word. Of course, Jack. What other way is there? Ask about us. What about Charlotte and Leslie, then? Do you torture them? He leaned in and snickered. Yes, 
the same as I'm torturing you now. They relive this night just as you have. Your wife is strong, but I'll break her. Then their souls will be mine, just as yours will be. A matching set if there ever was one. My blood was boiling. I wanted to lash out, but Charlotte's voice soothed me. Save us, Jack. The pieces clicked into place. Alright, I'm going to give you a choice. The overseer scoffed at me. You're going to give me a choice? Yes. I can guarantee you that Charlotte won't give in to your games, and neither will I. Not so long as we have each other. You can either keep trying to torture us until the end of time, or, if you have better things to attend to, and I'm sure you do, you can let me go. He looked shocked. Let you go? I continued. No more torturing my wife and daughter, and allow the doctor to revive me. When I die, my soul is yours to do with as you please. It's the only guarantee that you'll get any of us. He stood back and pondered for a moment. You make a compelling argument, Jack. Normally, I wouldn't even consider a deal like this, but I've wasted enough time on you three as it is. As such, here's my counteroffer. I'm feeling generous, so I'll offer you two years on Earth with your soul intact and your family will rest during that time. Then, you will die and I will retrieve all three of your souls. Your familial bond can serve as consent for the lot of you. There was no way I would accept those terms, but Charlotte's voice chimed in. Take the deal, Jack. It'll be fine. We'll have two years to find a way out of it. I didn't like it, but I had to listen to my wife. She always knew best. Okay, you have yourself a deal. The overseer smiled and then snapped his fingers. I awoke in the lab to Dr. Covenwood at my side, tending to the wound in my chest left by the overseer. Oh good, you're awake. Knowing the hand he played in this, I looked at him in disgust. I know, I know, I'm sorry Jack, it's just the way it has to be. This research is vital to the progression of mankind. He finished bandaging me up, undid my straps, and backed away, probably expecting a fist to the face. You're lucky I was able to make a deal with the overseer to protect my family. I stood up and Dr. Covenwood stepped out to the control room, opting to speak through the intercom. Actually, Jack, that was all part of the plan. One soul at a time used to cut it, but as of late, the overseer wants more. He let out a loud sigh before continuing. There's no way out of this, I'm afraid. In two years' time, you'll be done for. I hope you understand. The sound of tapping away at a keyboard came through the speaker, followed by a voice. Charlotte's voice. Save us, Jack. My heart sank. I used old recordings of your wife and created a simple program that would allow me to alter my voice to sound like hers. Everything I said over the intercom, you were able to hear on the other side. I'm so sorry, Jack. Oh God, what have I done? That's the end of the story. Oh my God. So he just- There ag- were so many like twists and turns in that. Uh-huh. So what were your thoughts on the story? Okay, so I only had a couple, but the first one is, why 
in this study, do they only get paid $5,000 if they come back for all of this shit? For real. To to die. To die and come back and they're no. like, we'll give you five grand. No, the number's going to need to be a lot higher. The number needs to not exist because I'm not willingly dying for yeah, any amount of money. No, <laughs> not for any amount of money. No, not doing that. Yeah, there, there's no way to make that ethical or worth it. Yeah. So he said that that place appeared to him as a cathedral, mm-hmm. but it could appear to different people in different ways. I was just thinking mine would definitely be a cottage in the woods with like a waterfall. And also, like near the ocean, it was a fun one. It was a real roller coaster. Like you yeah, didn't really know. Yeah, and turns. You everywhere. didn't really know where it was going. That's and why I thought this was going. such a good one. It just kept going. Yeah, I definitely think we might read more of this author's works at some point. Obviously, I need to talk with him about that and get the permission to use his stories. But he definitely had a bunch of them on there. This was the only one that I read. This was the first one I read, and it was so good. I really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to reading some of his other stories, and then maybe I'll be sharing them on this podcast too. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. All right. Well, I think that's it for today's episode. If you all enjoyed this one and you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And you can check out our Patreon in the description down below if you would like to get ad-free episodes. Yeah, and give us a follow if you want to hear a new episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And, as always, be be careful careful out out there. there. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.